The Rural Health Voice, Episode 30, Information Access. Welcome to The Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. Who receives higher quality healthcare information, rural or urban? Megan Lime Cooler, UVA pre-medicine student and winner of the 2019 Rural Health Voice Poster Contest, joined me to discuss how people access information about their health. Well, hello, Megan. Hi, how are you? Good to have you on here today. Um, you were a recent uh, participant and the winner of VRHA's Student Poster Contest. Uh, your topic was evaluating access to cancer health information for Central Virginia residents. What first interested you in that topic? So my, I guess my interest in public health stems back to um, working with my professor, Pam DeGuzman, um, who I met my second year of college. Um, and as a pre-med student, there are a lot of things that you can do to get involved at UVA. Um, and you see a lot of students will do hard science research. Um, and I was more interested in looking at medicine from a holistic approach. Um, so looking at social determinants, the more public health side of things. Um, and so that's how I got started uh, working with her because she specializes in public health research. Um, and so when I started working with her, she already had this research project started. And this project stems from um, every three years, the University of Virginia Emily Kirk Clinical Cancer Center is required to basically do almost an audit of their services to make sure that they're providing properly to um, their service area, which happens to encompass a lot of rural Virginia. Um, so this study is ba was basically started um, as a way to assess their um, cancer health care in those areas. Um, and so to basically assess that, what we did was a survey portion and then the interview portion, which is what I um, overview in this particular study, part of the study. That interest really, I mean, stems from Pam and her, her access to all these resources and um, kind of sparked something in me to, to get involved in public health um, and to look at it from a, a different perspective from rather than just the hard sciences, but more of a the holistic approach of um, people's access to care, um, their treatment, things of that sort. So with that, it sounds like you've started looking at this as a pre-med student. Are you still pre-med or are you going a different direction? I am. I am still pre-med, um, although um, I have decided to continue my studies in public health. I will be um, getting my master's in public health from the University of Virginia next year in their four plus one program. Um, and my goal in in doing that is is so that when I am a provider, I can make sure that I have a the, of course, holistic understanding of medicine. Um, and I do have a particular interest in working with rural populations because as I have seen through all of my research, um, it is clearly a group that is in need of um, improved care, improved access to care. And I think that with my knowledge um, and expanding that knowledge in my studies, I can help provide that. And we appreciate that goal for you. <laughs> so with the surveys and the other information that you collected through this, what surprised you most about the findings? So I guess something that was 
really interesting to me is that um, so we looked at um, rural versus non-rural in particular and how they access their health care. Um, and what we saw amongst the non-rural residents is that um, they are more likely to seek out their health care information through online resources. So um, through online websites like WebMD or Mayo Clinic uh, or using television programming like Dr. Oz. Um, and that was particularly interesting because as um, prior research has shown, people who live in non-rural areas tend to have higher education levels. Um, and as we know from um, the information you can get online, a lot of it can be you know, not factual and not um, representative of, of the truth or um, current research. Um, so it was interesting to see that people who are supposedly more educated would be seeking their information from either a television show or from online sources that might not necessarily be as accurate as going to your provider directly. Um, and this was even more interesting because uh, another one of the themes that we found in the data is that rural residents seek their healthcare information directly from their healthcare professionals. Um, so when you think about the disparity in care between rural and non-rural populations, it's really interesting because um, that disparity, uh, when you're seeing that the rural people tend to go to their providers, you would think that they would be getting better care. Um, so I thought that was really interesting to see. Uh, in our data. So if, and of course this is a broad generalization, urban people are getting their information from the media and rural people are getting their information from healthcare providers, did you feel that rural people were more likely to receive better information since it was coming straight from a trusted source? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so thinking about it, very broadly, you would think that rural populations um, would be receiving the better care and better information because they are, you know, seeking it from people um, with medical degrees, with a lot of knowledge in whatever area or um, whatever specialty that they are providing the care in. Um, but one thing that kind of, I think, contributes to the deficit in care between rural and non-rural residents is that um, something that you, you see tip, that is typical amongst rural residents is um, healthcare avoidance behaviors. So not seeking healthcare because they're either afraid to, um, or they think it's inconvenient, um, or it's costly to them. So even when rural residents have access to these improved resources, such as direct information from the provider, they may not be utilizing those resources um, as much as they, as they could be to improve their healthcare. So even with the best information, there are still other barriers. Yes, absolutely. And as part of the process, you conducted a number of interviews and focus groups. Were people generally eager to participate? Do you feel like they trusted you with the stories? I think as a whole, they did. Um, one of the aspects of our research study was maintaining anonymity of these participants. So I think um, with that, people felt more comfortable sharing their stories because, of course, they weren't being identified by name. Um, but also, I think, especially for the cancer survivors, they felt it was really important to share their stories um, so that other people can have improved access to care in the future. Um, and for the UVA Cancer Center, you know, hearing those stories could hopefully help them provide better care in the future and better access to care for their population. So I would say overall, I think that most of the um, people who participated were trusting in us with their information. 
And was there anything particularly difficult about working with people directly rather than just digging through data files? Yeah, I mean, of course, it's uh, when you're conducting numerous interviews and um, a focus group, finding the time to to meet with people that suits both their schedule and, um, you know, the researchers' schedules is always difficult. Um, I know one a difficulty that we had throughout the study was um, contacting people and actually getting a hold of them to make sure that we could set up a time for an interview. Um, but we ended up getting a pretty good number of interviews. So um, at the end of the day, I think we did the best with what we, or we did what we could with what we had. So Reading your abstract, you noted that many cancers with higher rural mortality could have been prevented with routine screening. Did you explore the issue of providing screening to people who don't have access to treatment? What good does it do to, say, have a mammogram if there's no place to get cancer treatment? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Uh, We didn't actually explore providing screening specifically to the patients. However, one of the major takeaways of this study um, is that clearly there needs to be increased access to care um, and to understanding of that care for patients living in rural populations. Um, So actually one of the future studies that Pam, my um, advisor and also the principal investigator of the study, um, something that we are planning on working in the future is access to telemedicine sites Um, for populations living in rural Virginia areas, because it is often difficult for them to, you know, drive to the UVA Cancer Center because it's, you know, an hour away or they can't find a ride. Um, So no, it's not something we address specifically in this study, but it is something that we hope to address um, in the future in in future studies. So you, you mentioned Dr. Guzman, your study was part of a larger study, is that correct? That's correct. So tell me more about that. So the larger study um, was the, it was a larger community-based needs assessment for the UVA Cancer Center. Um, And this was to perform uh, basically um, an assessment of the UVA Cancer Center's ability to provide care to its patient population and to make sure that they have adequate um, treatment and access to treatment. Um, so that in that study, we had a, it was a two phase mixed methods study where the first phase involved, um, a Qualtrics survey, which was distributed in a number of ways. Um, one of which was through Facebook with targeted zip codes to rural areas, um, so that people only in those areas would participate. Um, we also recruited people from in person, um, at a, uh, federally, federally, uh, qualified healthcare center, Um, in rural Virginia, and then also um, at a senior center located in um, Albemarle County. Um, So we were recruiting a lot of our patient population from areas in central Virginia. And then in the second phase is when we conducted um, the interviews in the focus group, which is where I pulled the data for the information that you saw um, in my presentation at the conference. Now, your poster abstract mentions a research team. Who all's on your team and what roles did they play? Mm-hmm. Um, so the research team includes Pam and myself. Um, Pam was our principal investigator. Um, you know, having had years of research experience under her belt, she spearheaded this project and was gracious enough to let me help along the way. Um, and as her assistant, I worked on numerous parts of the study. Um, so everything from the beginning, crafting the IRB, 
um, helping create the Qualtrics survey, um, and then working on recruitment um, and interview questions, sitting in on the interviews, um, and then eventually um, a bulk of the work that I did was performing the actual analysis of um, our interview and focus group transcripts. Um, so pulling out those codes and themes that you see in my presentation and being able to identify, you know, the major um, sources of information from the transcripts. So then you decided to enter the poster into VRHA's student poster contest. Uh, what, what did you think of that whole experience? Have you done poster contests before? I actually have not. Um, so this was my very first experience presenting um, with a poster. Actually, the week prior, I had presented the this same research for the first time, um, but it was an oral presentation. So it was very different to be in a setting that was a, a little bit more casual. Um, you know, I wasn't standing up in front of a massive crowd, but um, it really allowed me to, or in a sense, let me practice um, working on reciting the information, making sure I really had a deep understanding of it. Um, and it was, in a way, it made me feel really proud of what I had done because I got to share something that was really important to me and that I have worked really hard on, um, but also to see the reactions of the people who I spoke with um, at the conference and to hear about their experiences. Um, and I spoke with a nurse who had just been diagnosed with cancer and to see you know, his reaction to my work and um, the validation of how important it was, that was really, it was really special. Um, and of course, to get to work on my public speaking skills and to spread information um, that can hopefully uh, help benefit the rural population it was um, invaluable as well. So where do you go from here? What additional research would you like to do? So actually, the next project that Pam and I are working on um, looks at uh, telemedicine accessibility in rural Virginia through using um, public libraries. Uh, because as we know, rural populations tend to have lesser access to broadband internet in the household. Um, this makes it really difficult for them to even feasibly participate in telemedicine visits. Um, so something that Pam realized is that, you know, every county in Virginia has access to a public library. So this is something we should assess is the ability of these libraries to be able to um, act as telemedicine sites for these patients. Um, and this is great because instead of having to travel super long distances for care, um, these patients could ideally be able to go to the library, um, you know, call in with their provider and receive care in that way, which helps kind of ameliorate that healthcare avoidance um, for people who maybe don't have a ride to the hospital or, um, you know, just aren't motivated to get care because of how difficult it is to access it. And we sort of covered this earlier, but digging a little deeper, what are your career goals? So ultimately, um, if I can get into med school and get my MD, um, I'd like to practice in a rural area. Um, I'm particularly interested in obstetrics and gynecology. Um, and I'm interested in that because women are a very vulnerable population, especially during pregnancy. Um, and to combine, you know, the vulnerable populations of rural populations with um, pregnant women, I think that I could serve a really important role um, in the healthcare field. Um, and I do feel like um, it's really important to, to give back to the community that you came from. Um, so, you know, serving in Virginia, um, being able to work here, work with rural populations would ultimately be a dream. 
Um, so hopefully in the future, that's something I can do. That'd be great. And we'd certainly appreciate you looking at OB-GYN services. You know, one of the things we know about rural Virginia is very few of our rural hospitals have labor and delivery services. And so because of that, the prenatal care and postnatal care is very limited in our rural communities. So I absolutely applaud you on that. Well, thank you. That's that. Maybe that'll be my next uh, research project is looking into there you that. Go. Re- research that. I'll, I'll promote that one. Absolutely. So if someone in a rural community was concerned about the lack of healthcare information available to people in the area, what would you recommend that they do? What steps could they take? There's certainly a lot of barriers to accessing healthcare information for people in rural areas. And a lot of that stems from, you know, the digital divide or the lack of, um, or the healthcare, I'm sorry, the the shortage of healthcare providers in those areas. Um, So the first step would ultimately be to, you know, make efforts to increase the representation of physicians in those areas, which is obviously a very difficult undertaking. But I think by, you know, in the meantime, by providing resources like telemedicine sites in those areas that can help kind of bridge the gap that exists. Um, Although, of course, this requires internet access, so increasing broadband internet access to rural areas is key um, and should be a priority going forward um, uh, for, for the healthcare field. And if you could do anything, what would you do to improve health and healthcare in rural America? Oh, another great question. I think, I mean, it starts with the, the students who are going to medical school now, um, showing them the importance of providing health care um, in rural areas, you know, not just wanting to live in the urban cities um, and, and showing them the the lack of access that people have in those areas. I think a lot of people are very blind to the issues that exist in our country. Um, you see a lot of people who are doing service trips abroad to um, lesser privileged countries and things of that sort. But what people fail to realize is that those same deficits exist in our own country. Um, and so making sure that people have the knowledge base when they come into medical school and they ultimately decide to pursue, pursue different fields and different, um, you know, where they want to uh, provide care, it's really important to give them that baseline knowledge because if you want to be a doctor, you clearly want to help people. Um, and in the United States, the rural people are the most dire in need of help. Right. Well, thank you, Megan, and congratulations on being our 2019 Poster Contest winner. Thank you so much. That's UVA student Megan Limecooler promoting better information about the needs in rural areas. If you want to be part of the conversation about rural health, follow the Virginia Rural Health Association on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Rural Health Voice is the podcast of the Virginia Rural Health Association. It is sponsored by the Virginia State Office of Rural Health and underwritten by the National Rural Health Association.